well, Jason, I was, uh, you know, kind of like giving the audience a little bit of like preamp of um, what we're going to talk about today. But first of all, thank you so much for being on the show, Christian Podcast. Um, I know we have a, a little bit of a shorter time, so I want to be really conscious of that. Um, but super thankful for you joining the podcast. Yeah. Uh, would you, just from your own words, would you say kind of like who you are and introduce yourself a little bit to our audience, please? Yeah, for sure. Well, my name is Jason Thacker. I serve as Chair of Research and Technology Ethics at the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. It's a really long name, um, but essentially we are the public policy arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. And our task is to help equip and engage the church on the most pressing issues of the day. Uh, from ethics and morality to social issues and public policy. Um, our goal is to help equip the church to navigate a lot of the uh, un, a lot of the difficult questions and a lot of the complex issues that we face as a society. And so my specific role is helping to equip the church to engage issues of technology. Um, it's pretty easy to see even in the last week of the number of headlines that have come across of Uh, different big tech companies and their policies, all the way down to issues of AI and ethics, morality, um, public policy. And my goal and my job is to help equip the church to think biblically about these issues, uh, to say, how does God's word apply for how we engage these really pressing issues of the day in terms of technology? Mm -hmm. So good. Well, thank you, Jason. And you are the author of the book called The Age of AI, artificial intelligence, and the future of humanity. Um, I had a, a podcast a few podcasts ago, and you know, for people who want to check it out, they can check it out on the on the website with Leonard Sweet. And I was reading this book called The 25 uh, Volcanoes. Well, I forgot the title, but it's about like these volcanic um, items that are about to erupt for Christians in the world. And one of the ones he talks about is actually this whole topic of technology and AI and uh, you know where things are going. And what, what is your relationship to AI? Like what, what, what makes you uh, an expert on this topic or you know, why are you aware of this situation? Like, why did you write this book? Yeah, one of the reasons that I wrote the book was a few years ago, I picked up, um, I've always been interested in technology issues. I grew up surrounded by technology. I'm a little old to say that uh, for most folks, but my dad worked for a big tech company um, most of my life, especially early on. And so we had the internet well before most people had the internet in their homes. We always, I don't remember a day without a computer, and this was the early 90s. Um, and part of that is just because of my dad's experience and his jobs. Um, so I've always been comfortable around technology, generally understood it. I was always more of a hardware guy than I was a software guy. So I didn't, I wasn't a developer. I wasn't a coder or a computer scientist per se. Uh, but for what I was kind of, I studied that throughout um, and helped my dad out for a number of years. And then going on to seminary and doing my ethical and theological training Um, I was equipped to help lead in the church and help to engage uh, from the, a lot of the pressing issues of the day from an ethical and theological perspective. And so by the time I uh, came to the ERLC to help run the communications team, 
um, I had been reading a lot and was just really interested in a book called Homo Deus um, by a gentleman named you all know Harari. He's an Israeli scholar and it's has a really great subtitle. It's called A Brief History of Tomorrow. And I just really love the title. And as he gets into it, he talks a lot about artificial intelligence, a lot about computer technology, biotechnology, and kind of where we're headed, at least in his mind as a society. And coming to that book, knowing generally a lot of the debates and a lot of the issues that were going on, I noticed that there was uh, not a lot of hope. And there wasn't a lot of uh, biblical thinking about issues of ethics and morality. So that kind of started me on this path uh, probably about five or six years ago of diving into a lot of these pressing issues surrounding artificial intelligence, how it's being used, what plans people have for it, but also a lot of the hype that surrounds artificial intelligence of what it can do or what it soon will be able to do. And so for me, that's one of the reasons I wanted to write this book was because I noticed that there was very there were very few Christian or uh, Christian ethics or Christian theological resources engaging some of these issues. But these are the questions that journalists were asking, my friends were asking about, my church members were asking about. And so that's why I wanted to put together this resource. It was intentionally written to be um, a a widely read book in terms of it was popular. It's not an academic work. It's not full of academic jargon and, you know, a hundred different footnotes in each chapter. The goal was to introduce people to a lot of these pressing issues. And a lot of folks don't realize that I was actually writing the book at the same time that our organization was putting out a statement of principles on artificial intelligence that was signed by about 80 plus evangelical leaders from across the United States um, talking about what we believe in terms of ethics and morality um, in light of these modern sophisticated technologies. And so that was these kind of parallel resources we were developing at the same time with the goal and the intention of equipping the church to be thinking proactively about these issues. Often uh, the Christian church, especially over the last century or so, has uh, fallen behind on social issues. And what I mean by that is that we often respond to issues after the culture has made kind of a big shift or a big move. We see this with issues of race. We see this issues of abortion and pro-life issues. We see this with marriage and sexuality, even where the church often seems to be having to play catch up to where the culture's already gone. But a lot of folks, friends that work in the technology industry, Christian and non-Christian alike, are having debates and are having questions about AI and what does it mean to be human and what is it what happens if these um, sophisticated machines or even robots uh, take over our jobs? What effect does that have on our work and how we think about work? Issues of warfare, which we don't often want to think about uh, because it is a difficult subject. Um, but we're starting to utilize advanced artificial intelligence all around the world in our military and the ways that we engage in combat. And there are very real benefits to these tools. Um, and it just isn't just out there. It's even affecting our families and the ways that we view ourselves. And so the goal of the book was to help Christians to engage these issues faithfully from a biblical perspective and applying God's word to these issues and having kind of a broader vision of what it looks like to ethically engage on these issues, which um, for listeners that check out the book, um, I kind of, the sum, the sum of it, what I guess you could say the thesis of the book is really focused on uh, 
what does it mean to love God and to love our neighbor? That's the, the Christian moral commitment um, in all of life. But we can take that paradigm that, Matt, or that Jesus talks about in Matthew 22, that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we're to love our neighbor as ourselves, And to take that kind of double love command and apply it to these really pressing issues of technology, biotechnology, but specifically artificial intelligence and um, help us to navigate these really thorny ethical questions um, in light of God's word. Wow. So good. And when you mentioned to be proactive, I think that's a little bit of what we want to do with this podcast. Uh, you know, as I was talking even to Leonard Sweet, like I mentioned, I feel like, wow, if this is a podcast for the 21st century, I feel like I want to talk about this pressing issues and you know i'm super glad that you're here because this is one of my uh, i just consider ai one of the leading topics probably of the 21st century even though people may be even unaware of how intricate and essential ai is becoming to the human life so i guess i mean even before i was i came on the show i was even talking about the jetsons right like this this cartoon back in the the 80s or 90s where there was this i i mean it was a futuristic cartoon right but there mm -hmm. was this this um server who was a robot uh i don't know in spanish we call her robotina so i don't know her precise name but this idea that now we have alexa right i mean now we say alexa do this alexa do that and things happen right so in a sense they were so futuristic they were thinking of ways that humans were going to be and it's now it's happening and i guess one of the pressing questions is first of all is jason what is ai for people that may not even be aware even though they live it out almost every day Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, we utilize artificial intelligence every single day. It's not something that just computer scientists or fancy kind of emerging technology is using. We're using it every single day. I'm hesitant to even say some of those wake words like Alexa or Google or Siri for that matter, because my devices will start lighting up. Um, typically, we have artificial intelligence within arm's reach all the time. Uh, that's what's called a smartphone or a smart device or a smart gadget. The smart element is artificial intelligence. So from voice recognition to pattern recognition to facial recognition, um, utilizing like face ID, like facial, facial authentication, um, we're utilizing various forms of artificial intelligence every single day. But often when we hear about artificial intelligence, especially read stories about it, Um, we, he, we see these like red-eyed robots that are going to come take all of our jobs or these terrible dystopian visions of where we're heading as a future. And that's where we'll talk about like job stealing robots or war machines and, you know, killer robots and things like that. And while let's have those debates and let's have those questions, I think we need to step back and ask that exact question that you said. What, what is artificial intelligence? Well, artificial intelligence is simply the ability of a machine or a computer, a device to, to emulate certain um, thought kind of patterns of what and make decisions based on a set of rules. Um, at, the, at the end of the day, artificial intelligence is really in, intricate math. It's saying here, here is the set of rules 
And then we're going to equip the computer to take those rules and apply it to a set of data. And so then you take that data and it can pull out certain things that maybe humans miss, maybe we wouldn't. But at the end of the day, it's going to save humans time of doing that. You think of a really easy example is like a Nest thermostat. One of these smart thermostats, there's a number of them on the market now. My family, we have a Nest on our wall at home and I can turn up the temperature. I can turn down the temperature just like you do on a normal thermostat, but it's called a learning thermostat. And that's kind of a, a big word that's thrown around often with artificial intelligence is that these machines or these gadgets, the devices can learn or think. And what that means is that when I wake up in the morning and I turn the, the heat up a little bit, we like it a little colder at night when we sleep, um, but we, I can turn it up. Well, after a few days, my thermostat learns that then just where AI comes in, it learns that I turn up the temperature in the morning. So it automatically does it. Another way to talk about artificial intelligence is automation. Uh, we see, we talk a lot about automation, but often these autom uh, automation tools that we use historically have just been like assembly lines and kind of robots that are programmed. They have one very specific task, um, but artificial intelligence, you kind of open up a new vein of things where these devices are able to respond in real time to the data inputs that they're getting. Meaning like my thermostat, if I turn it up or turn it down, it can help to do that. Or I can say, I want my thermostat to help me save money on my energy bill. And so it calculates and it knows if I drop the temperature here, here, and here during the day when they're not actually home, I can save X number of dollars in the electric bill or the gas bill. And so you see these really interesting kind of helpful use, uh, uses of artificial intelligence, but then it goes even to like speech or uh, space, uh, excuse me, speech recognition on our iPhones, um, being able to voice text or uh, different things like that. So we're utilizing these tools every day. There's a quote that I open up the age of AI with uh, by Ray Kurzweil. And he's um, kind of a pretty famous name. He's a famous computer scientist now currently works at Google and he's written a number of works over the years about artificial intelligence. And he talks about if all of our AI systems throughout our society and our homes and our communities decided to wake up, which is kind of the Hollywood thriller uh, plot line right now of all the machines waking up and revolting. Yeah. But he the said, if, they, if all of these, yeah, Skynet, uh, Big Brother, all of these kind of things, or iRobot with Will Smith and all the yeah. uh, kind of robots wake up, it, the idea if all of these systems woke up and decided to stop working, or if something caused all of these AI systems to stop, you wouldn't be able to communicate with one another. You think of the algorithms or the AI behind our social media feeds our email platforms, our communication platforms, our TV, our internets, our phones, all of these things have some type of AI connected to them to help maintain the system, to monitor the system, or even to function. Um, you see this and we wouldn't be able to get money from the bank. Our assembly lines would shut down, our international protection and our uh, diplomacy, a lot of those things would shut down, our military engagement, our government, so much of artificial intelligence is just kind of baked into our technologies today. But the reality is, is most people, and this isn't just the church, haven't sat down and even slowed down in the age of speed and efficiency, slowed down to realize that we're utilizing artificial intelligence every single day. And what 
a proper Christian response is let's slow down. Let's think about it in light of God's word, because these technologies, these tools don't catch our God off guard. It's not something that we did that he's like, I don't really know what to do with that. No, God has a plan. He has a, uh, an ethic, a theology, a morality for us as believers, as new creations in Christ uh, to engage a lot of these pressing tools. And so if we get those relationships right and understand who God is and what he said about us, how he's created us in his image with innate human dignity, and then what is technology? If we get all of these relationships right, we can utilize these tools like AI for immense good in our society. But we have to be aware of the ways that these things can be misused, abused, and the dangers that can come along with them as well. And so that's what I try to model in the book is these technologies can be utilized for good. They can also be utilized for evil. And so as Christians, how do we slow down, think about them well, and then approach and say, let's pursue the good innovations and the good uses and try to mitigate a lot of the damages or even the dehumanization that can come along with these tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super interesting because it's like every time humanity comes up with the new innovation right throughout history, there's always ethical and moral implications. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I mean, AI is, is, is of course, a part of this this, uh, question, like what's going to happen in the future? What is it doing to us as humans? Like what is it doing to our human dignity? Um, And when you talk about some of the fears, I can relate so much because I'm a futuristic guy. I think of, you know, like uh, I create futures in my mind with what I see around me. And sometimes uh, I feel like that that's my blessing and my curse. Because if I don't see it through hope, like you were saying, I can picture a dystopian future. And I say, man, this is, this is going to be bad. Um, but then I always tend to lean into the, the, the side of me that it's more, Uh, focus on faith and focus on Jesus that says there's always hope. You know, if, if Jesus made some declarations kind of when he said, you know, my words will never pass and I can rest assured on that statement, then I know that there's always something good. But when you talk about some of the, the, the problems or the, you know, the, the trouble that we might encounter with AI, what is it, what are some of that, like those dystopian, what are you afraid of? You know, uh, when we talk about AI, what makes you afraid of it uh, or about the future of AI? Yeah, I think it's a really helpful question. And I would say first, I think you're exactly right. As Christians, when we approach any type of technology, but any type of social change, uh, we don't have to do so from a place of fear or anxiety or Um, having this kind of dystopian vision of the future. And the reason is, is because the scriptures are really clear. The the end of the story has already been written. The Bible is very clear that Jesus not only is raised from the dead and is reigning, but he's quite literally sitting on the throne of the universe right now as King Jesus. And the end of the story, like Revelation 20, 21, we see that all of the people of God, all of the tribes have come together people from tribes and nations across the world to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. That's the end of history in the sense of the end of the Christ is coming back. And so as Christians, that's our security. That's our hope. We know that our God is reigning and ruling and nothing catches him off guard. 
And so the end of the story is written. So that's why as Christians, we don't have to have these like dystopian visions of the future because we already know the future is it's secure. It's written, it's held in the hand of God. Um, And so from that perspective of hope and peace, we can engage the pressing issues of the day. And so I'm not fearful of artificial intelligence. I'm not fearful or filled with anxiety about the future. What I am is saying, I have concerns. Um, We're called to live as Christians in between the times. And what that means is that in between the time of Christ's ultimate coming back, the second coming and his first coming. And so we have this kind of in between times that we're currently living in and we have to be real or we have to think with some real understandings of how these technologies are being used and how they can be used to ultimately dehumanize our neighbors. I think that's the big kind of dehumanization is kind of the big category for a lot of the ways these tools can be misused and abused. You think a very specific example abroad um, is the way that facial recognition technology is being used uh, to persecute and sy- systemically persecute the Uyghur Muslims in China. There's an entire group of people based on their faith who are being rounded up by the Chinese government and are actually being put into concentration-like camps. And the ways that the, the Chinese government, the Chinese Communist Party is able to do that is because they're utilizing these advanced emerging technologies like facial recognition. So they're able to identify someone just simply based on the color of their skin or their religious ethnicity and and detain them. They're tracking people. It's very big brother. It's very 1984 kind of George Orwell. Um, The way that we live not only across the world, but we live in many ways kind of in a surveillance state. And there are benefits to these tools, but you can see the easy abuses of them um, by places like China and the way that the Communist Party is doing this is because one of the ways, one of the temptations in the age of AI is to treat our fellow human beings as simply pieces of data rather than flesh and blood human beings created in God's image. We treat them as bits of data or we, we dehumanize them. And I think that's one of the great ironies in the age of AI is that at the same time we're dehumanizing and seeking to uh, suppress or um, seeking power over our neighbor and treating them as less than human. At the same time we're doing that, we're trying to humanize these machines. We're giving them names, we're talking to them, we're interacting with them. And then we're, you know, you even get into questions about like robot rights and robot dignity and all of these type of things. And it's just, it's ironic to me. Because at the same time, we're dehumanizing those created in God's image. We're also trying to humanize these machines. So I think one of the biggest dangers and with all of artificial intelligence is not so much the, the tools themselves, but how we utilize them and how we use them and kind of apply them in our lives. So you see that from an international perspective, how these can be used by authoritarian regimes to suppress human rights and dignity. Um, and religious freedom. But then we can also see that even stateside where where you, these machine, technology starts to change us. It changes our desires. It changes the way that we think about the world, think about each other. Even thinking like the rise of social media and the algorithms behind these things and how uh, these algorithms are designed for more engagement online which is kind of interesting because you get on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, places like this, you see a lot of hate. You see a lot of uh, dissension. You see a lot of 
um, people wanted to dunk on each other and have hot takes and attack one another. Well, AI has kind of built this environment. We have used AI to build an environment that these algorithms are intentionally designed that if you have kind of a, a hot take, maybe it gets shown a little bit more because people are engaging with it. So the more engagement, the more it's shown, the more it's shown, the more engagement. So these things can have a viral effect. And so that's where these places can become very toxic, where we treat other fellow human beings as simply avatars or pieces of data rather than flesh and blood human beings. Well, a Christian vision steps back and says, as we approach these really pressing technologies and these tools, how do we love God and love our neighbor? Well, if we love God, we're going to seek to love our neighbor because that's part of what it's called to love God is to honor those whom he's created in his image. But loving God is following his command, loving one another as we love ourselves, treating each other with dignity and respect, even if we have disagreements. Even if we seem to have uh, disagreements or things that we um, might want to change in our society, we don't have to treat each other as less than human, as if they're just simply an avatar or a piece of data. Um, and part of it, again, is to love God and love our neighbor. So we love our neighbor by treating them with equal dignity and respect. Because as Christians, we know that our, our enemy, we often like to talk about our enemies, whether it's in military engagement or even online or political enemies. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. Our enemies are the principalities and the powers of evil. That's what the scriptures tell us. And so we can treat each other with dignity and respect, even if we disagree, because we know the way that God has created each and every person in his image. Mm -hmm. Wow. This is, this is phenomenal. I feel like the, the implications of AI, it's just on the ethical, the moral, the even for us as Christians, the engagement that we are supposed to have with it. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. You know, I, I feel like for the for the coming century, which is it's to me, it's still like barely starting, right? The 21st century. I feel like like people just realize, wow, this is not the 1900s anymore. Yeah, for for at least people like me who were born in the past century. You know, it seems like we were looking to the future and it's coming. And now that is now that we're here in 2021, I feel like the horizon is now open to say, hey, this is the 21st century. Things are going to change. Right. We just and, and the thing with this is that change comes so rapidly. Right. It's, it's way different than, you know, 500 years of history needed to pass by for for us to create something incredible. Right now with technology, it seems like the pace is just it, it goes on a on a whole different level. Right. It goes from from having a TV 50 years ago to now you have a computer that it's capable of, you know, it has more technology than probably what the technology that um, you know NASA used in in the 60s to send a man on the moon right now you have a computer who's way more capable than that and where do you think I guess uh, one of the last questions would be uh, as a church how are we supposed to engage this um, like in the real sense you know like in, in a practical way for example a friend just showed up this morning 
And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like letting him borrow some equipment from our church. But I noticed when I was texting him, it went from having these blue bubbles to a green bubble, right? So for people who are Mac users, they will know what this means, right? It means that he had an iPhone and he doesn't have an iPhone anymore. And therefore, you know, the, the, the bubbles come up green. So anyways, we interact. I give him the, the stuff he needs. And then at the end, at the very end, he says, hey, man, uh, check this out. I have a BlackBerry. <laughs> mm -hmm. He shows up his phone. I'm like, oh, yeah, I noticed, you know, when you were texting me, I'm like, what happened to the blue bubbles? What happened to the iPhone? And he's like, oh, man, I just noticed the other day, you know, that my, my daughter was talking to me and I was on the phone, you know, with the, the smartphone. And she said, my daughter said something like, you're not even paying attention, you know, and that moment for him, he realized I need to take action, you know, and I know I'm going to have phone withdrawals or whatever, but my action is going to be to downgrade from an iPhone to a regular, you know, push the buttons and call somebody type of phone and text people yeah. like back in, you know, 20 years ago. Um, which is, it's crazy to think, right? That people would do that. But he did it because like you're saying, he wants to love his children well. And he feels like part of that is I got to put my phone aside. And if I'm not able to control it, well, maybe having a, a more simple type of phone is going to help me you know, put it aside because I don't, I don't have the distraction. Is that the type of behavior you are... Um, you know, you're, you're talking about on how Christians are supposed to engage. Are there any other examples maybe that might be helpful? Or uh, what do you think of this story? I mean, is that too much? Is that appropriate? I, I don't know. Uh, just give us a little bit of, of thought or input on that. No, I really appreciate hearing about your friend's wisdom in that. And these are going to be personal decisions and even family decisions that we make. The goal is not to have a list of rules. That's not how Christianity works. Uh, the goal is to pursue wisdom, as the Proverbs tell us, that uh, wisdom is knocking at our door uh, if we would open the door and seek wisdom above all. And so that's one of the things that for his family, that might be the wise decision to kind of pull back on some different technological innovations and things. And I think the, that Christians need to be open to that, of saying maybe we do need to think more wisely and more uh, ethically about the type of tools and technologies that we use, not only for ourselves, but also in our families. Um, because reality is I have two kids. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Um, and my wife and I have conversations. We have smart devices in our home, not only things like a smart thermostat, but even uh, uh, an Apple HomePod where we listen to music and we interact and things like that. And my, my kids like it. They like to go turn the music on themselves or say, hey, you know, I won't even say it because if I say it, my phone will something will light up here, um, which goes to show how much we utilize AI all the time anyway. But my kids will talk to Siri and ask her to play music and all different types of things. And so it's not so much that we can accept or reject, like we just need a rule. What can we use and what can we not use? It's going to be more so pursuing wisdom and being cautious just because there in is an in a new innovation or a new gadget doesn't mean you need it. But it also doesn't mean that it's bad or evil and you shouldn't pursue it. So you do these things in community, not only uh, you and the Lord in your relationship and your personal relationship with him, but also in your family. 
and then even more so and more most in, in many ways kind of very importantly in the context of the local body of Christ as your church doing these things together living in life together and realizing that you might have own, your own blind spots that maybe your daughter or your son like my son one time um, I was just really, really overwhelmed. Um, I had a really bad day. There was kind of like a bad interview and I was just having a lot of things going on. And I was on my phone and my son could tell that I was a little stressed and he's pretty young at this point. And he just walks up and it was kind of embarrassing to even say this, but it's the Lord and the Holy Spirit working. He put, he grabbed my phone out of my hand and set it down and gave me a hug. And that while that sounds, it's like, man, you're kind of addicted to your iPhone. We all do that. We all have these kind of proclivities towards sin and areas where we feel comfortable with technology or we're bored or even things like the rise of doom scrolling. I don't know if listeners have heard that term yet, um, but this idea that when things seem chaotic and overwhelming, especially during this COVID-19 pandemic um, and kind of the world events that have been going on, we turn to social media and we doom scroll, meaning we continually just swipe down to see something else because we're longing for hope or peace or answers. And we're just, we find more and more bad news and we kind of go down in this hole. I think for Christians, we need to say like, how is, how are these technologies shaping us? How are they in many ways discipling us? which should kind of scare, not, it should wake us up a little bit. I wouldn't say scare us, but should wake us up that we are called to be disciples of Christ, but often with these technologies, they're shaping us, they're discipling us in their image to make us more like these tools in terms of seeking comfort, seeking peace in all of the wrong places. And we're seeking to utilize these tools to feel the, fill the hole in our hearts uh, to feel that longing. Um, and so for as Christians, I think we need to often just slow down. And I know that I say that, and it sounds really trite uh, to say that, but reality is, is in this age that our culture is pursuing in uh, efficiency and speed and just the more, the faster you can get it, the slower, you know, if you're slow, you're old, you're slowing down, you're, it's not going to, so let's pursue speed. Let's go faster and faster and faster. So instead of slowing down and reading a book, Let's read a tweet. Let's read a whole bunch of tweets. Well, reality is we're just not going as deep. And so I think that's one of the, I have a whole chapter in my book um, on the family and the way that these tools are affecting our families and some practical tips for families to think about how are we utilizing it? Let's think biblically. Let's think with wisdom about how we pursue these tools and innovations because these tools in themselves are not bad. I think it's easy to say, well, the iPhone is bad. Well, the iPhone has a lot of good uses. So it does kind of come down to the place of not only is this technology shaping me, but also it's the way I'm utilizing these tools. And so I have responsibility, moral <laughs> accountability for how I interact with these tools and how I use them, not only in my own life, that in my family, that in my church and community. And so I think one of the biggest tips I would say is slowing down as a people. Um, and part of that, you have the, the body of Christ to do that. Uh, to slow down and to put your phone down and to sing and to worship um, our God and to hear his word and to slow down and read his word. Um, it helps us to reframe a lot of the issues that we're uh, focused on or even anxieties that we have in light of who God is, who he's made us to be in his image, and also what's our proper relationship with technology and what, how do we utilize these tools well? And so it's not that I have, you know, 
five steps to changing your whole life in terms of the technology as much as let's pursue wisdom as a people and wisdom is going to look different for different people in different contexts. I, I love the idea of wisdom and I feel like that is my big takeaway because I've been thinking a lot about, I feel like our society and we can see this even in the scripture as people are approaching Jesus and they're saying things like Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother, right? They're, they're really looking for a number for like, give me the three rules. Give me the, what is the max, which to me, I feel like it comes down to opinion is like, what is your opinion on this? Tell me, and then I'll follow it. But wisdom is way more intricate than that. It has way more complexities because it's about, it's about the truth inside of you and i feel like that is more the truth that that jesus is trying for us to understand and that is only understood by wisdom so what a good word what a good word jason um i appreciate so much you coming on the show i would love for people to and i'm looking forward to reading the book i don't have it yet in my hands but i love the topic of ai and you know i'm eager to to get in on my hands and read it where can you point people to if they want to you know connect with you or find out more about uh, your writings or your work yeah the easiest place is go to my website it's jasonthacker.com um, if you go there you'll see a big ad for the book you can learn more about the book all the different places you can purchase it but also we have the weekly tech newsletter Uh, which comes out on Monday mornings alongside the Weekly Tech podcast. And the goal of these resources is to help people navigate the pressing technology issues of the day from a place of Christian hope and understanding and uh, biblically saturated resources. And so you can get on there. That helps you to stay up to date on the top tech news, uh, kind of as technology can be overwhelming at times. So you just go to jasonthacker.com. There's the podcast, the newsletter. And you can also learn more about the book. Awesome. Well, Jason, again, I appreciate it so much. Thank you. And uh, if you would allow me, I could you know I have christianpodcast.com and I would love to feature also your podcast, you know, as people go and see this episode. Oh, great. Thank you. you no, know, I can put your podcast there too and your links to your book. So I appreciate it so much. Hope you have a great rest of your day and thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. Hope you have a good one.
thanks for listening to this episode of Christian Podcast. If you liked this episode, share it with friends and family. Make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review whatever you can. You can also visit christianpodcast.com to learn more about our show. Hasta la vista.